0: We all owe them, but very few of us know them. They are the men and women of our military and first responder communities. And these are their stories. American Warrior Radio is on the air. Welcome to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller garcia We're broadcasting from the Silencer Central Studios at Silencer Central. Their experts make the buying process simple. They help you select the right suppressor for your weapon, handle the paperwork, and deliver it right to your front door when you're approved. Visit SilencerCentral.com to find out if buying and owning a silencer is legal in your state. If you're a veteran that finds yourself in a dark place or knows someone you suspect may be considering suicide, please reach out for help. Call the Veterans Crisis Line by dialing 988 on your phone and press the button 1. You can also visit veteranscrisisline.net. They've got 24-hour confidential support there to help you out. The scourge of veteran suicides is a topic we've dealt with quite a bit here on American Warrior Radio. Each and every one is a tragedy, but even worse or even more terrible is when we should have seen the signs and the systems that are supposed to support our warriors fail or even worse, contribute to the problem. A 2021 study from Brown University showed that more than 30,000 active-duty personnel and veterans died by suicide during the 20-year global war on terror four times the number of combat deaths in both afghanistan and iraq combined 21-year-old sailor brandon caserta took his own life on june 25 2018 by all accounts brandon was a happy-go-lucky kid unlike many people who take their reasons to the grave with them we now know quite a bit about what led brandon to his terrible and final decision his death however has led to a ray of hope for others Joining us on American Warrior Radio today are Brandon's parents, Terry and Patrick Caserta. Uh, Patrick, let's start with you. You are a retired senior chief
1: in the Navy, correct?
0: Yes. Does that make this situation
1: even more frustrating for you? Yes, it makes it a lot worse. And then I, you know, I can relate and understand what the defenses are. and They're invalid and. I could follow this like it's nothing, meaning I could put together exactly what happened. I feel very disrespected and, well, as I guess a retiree slightly better. Terry, describe um,
0: Brandon for us. Like I said, everything I've read, he sounded like a, a just a, a joyful, happy-go-lucky kid, always willing to help people out. And, in fact, that in some of the articles I read, he was, you know, he'd volunteer for extra duty there in the Navy whenever the opportunity came up and was always there to help out a fellowship mate.
2: He absolutely was. He was very special. He was a special person. He always lived by his karate code words, honor, respect, patience, and kindness. He had the biggest smile. It lit up a room, and you could not help but smile when you saw him. All through school, even in in grade school, if he noticed somebody didn't have a lunch, he would go buy them a lunch. Uh, he was that kind of a person. He always listened to other people. He guided them on what he felt they should do to help themselves. He was always there for others and always helped them no matter, you know, what their religion, what their nationalities were, it it did not matter to Brandon as long as he could make them have a better day.
0: Patrick, do you know, I mean, making a decision to enlist is is a pretty big decision for a young person. Do you get a sense that, I mean, did Brandon talk to you about the Navy? Did you get a sense that he maybe wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps or what was the rationale there? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, he unloaded this on us. It was very shocking to us that he wanted to join. I said I was in Navy recruiting for 15 years. And when oh, and Terry was pregnant, I said I never let my son join the military. I am in it too. And the theory behind that, so everybody knows, was that we grew up very poor and we were going to provide a better life for our son or daughter and we going to be able to provide college and all, anything that they wanted to do. I never dreamed he was going to want to join the military, but he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. The only way to be a SEAL was to join. And we had two choices of parents. We could say no, and he could eventually join, Or we could give him everything he needs to succeed and support him on it, and we chose to do the latter. And we went out and we bought him the actual SEAL swim mask, snorkel, fins, We got him to, to swim where they were. We bought him a We got him a pull-up bar. We got him a face mask that makes the oxygen, restrict your oxygen um, when he runs. We got him the Larry Fitzgerald parachute thing he wanted. I mean, we, we got him everything he needed to succeed, and he worked out hard, and he worked very hard. He never said to me he wanted to follow my footsteps, but he did do a police internship in high school, and he did a ride along, and the police officer came to a vigil that he rode with and he told us that he told him that he wanted to follow in my footsteps. It was a family tradition, and he wanted to follow in my footsteps. He passed all the tests, I mean he would do all kinds of testing, but the physical test is the high one that he passed, and he did that he did very well. I mean when I going say he had the best score ever, but he was up
0: there, so he was admitted to to buds. He was participating in that in the basic underwater demolition school, but then he got injured, and that, that forced him to forego that path. And that was that a, a permanent thing? He, he would have never had
1: another pair of, of getting back into Bud's? You know, un- unfortunately, there's more to that. As in, Brandon and Joe but he crossed paths with a lot of weird stuff. while well, for the time he was in the military, and one of them was, the drug use of PEDs in CL training, and he refused to do them, and he told us all about them. I didn't believe it at first Meaning, I didn't think he was lying. I'm just saying I found that hard to believe. As many years in analysis tests as I did, and I conducted them in charge of them, so um, I found that hard to believe, but it was true, and you had an in-team and an out-team. Brandon was on the out-team because he was a threat to them because he wasn't with them on doing these things and they would steal his uniforms, his shoes, all kinds of stuff from the poor kid while he was in SEAL training. And when he, he, what happened is he went to medical three times quickly, their medical, which is not a true medical by any means, nor is there a doctor involved in this. And he told them his leg hurt and they said he had severe shin splints. He said, no, fix worse than and then I know how to work through it. And. And they refused to give him x-rays. And so what happened is he collapsed and passed out on the beach one morning when they were carrying the boats overhead. And the people, he told us this, factual, the people that were in that PED group just happened to be some of the people that were with him there. And they didn't do nothing. They left that kid on the beach. They threw him in the back of the pickup truck, took him to the bell, rang the bell for him, because he refused to ring it and the rules are you have to ring the bell yourself that's a fact and left him there they didn't even take him to medical or anything so he ends up going to medical because he called us and i'm like get over there and he did and the doctor did the same thing he went to an actual doctor he said look you know you got severe shooting i'm going to take an accident for the heck of it and something's wrong. i'll call you but don't expect a call 15 minutes later the Dr. Connell and said, your leg is broken in three every places. Oh. And so they had already gotten rid of him that quickly over there. And we went out there immediately and I told him I can get him back in. And he looked at me in the face and he said, word for word, he said, dad, there's no doubt my mind, you can get me back in. He said, but they'll never let me get through and he was referring to the KED group and everything, that he, they were never going to let him get through, especially if he got back in that way. But the procedure for somebody who's injured is to roll you back several weeks and um, and then you convene with the next class. Ironically, the class Brandon was in had a high, high rate of graduation, and the one after that a tremendously high grad rate, and Brandon – not gotten injured, she would have made it through more than likely because I'm telling you he was in a physical epitome of physical shape, and mentally he was ready.
0: Patrick, all, all that that we've got to take a break here real quick. Uh, Patrick and Terry, are very pleased to have you join us to tell this story. I've never even heard of someone being wrung out, um, not on their own, so we'll we'll follow that up when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Ben Buehler-Garcia. We're talking with Terry and Patrick Acerta uh, about their son, Brandon, and the, the Brandon Act. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking with Terry and Patrick Caserta about their son Brandon. Just a tragic story, and I, I got to tell you, Terry, this this is a very difficult show for me to do. I can't imagine what it's like for for you two, given that Brandon was your son. But I'm an advocate for the military, but kind of like we see, and you know, when I've had law enforcement personnel on, they say, you know, no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop, and I'm starting to sort of kind of get this vibe here in, in Brandon's story, um, did, did you get a sense of that as well? I mean, how, how much were you interacting with him during this period of time?
2: We talked to him every day, whether it was text or uh, him calling us. So we we kind of knew what, what was going on.
1: We, we knew what was going on in the seals and everything, but ironically, one of the strange tidbits, sad too, when I am about to tell you, a couple of things happened. There were two suicides while Brandon was in the field training and the SEALs where they were training, and he went to both those funerals. And then, two hours after Brandon collapsed from the beach, uh, they drowned the kid in the pool. When I say they, they were found responsible and um, for the death of the person they drowned in the pool. And so, three people died while Brandon was there. He went to all three funerals. And he told us, you know, when it was the. Um, Instructors are the ones selling the drugs. When I say that, I don't, I don't know if they were selling slash giving. Um, he told us this and we knew about this. And then what happened is flash forward, uh, to 2016-ish, maybe early 17, the articles broke on it and he called us up and said, I told you so. And then we thought it was fixed and it wasn't. It turns out. I don't know what they did and didn't do, but the bottom line, it was still going on. And now recently you've read about it again, and finally there's change, and we had been advocating for that. That's one of our four things we were advocating for other than the Brandon was to get the policy when that changed. Ironically, like I said, Brandon crossed paths with this. But to sum up that story, he refused to go back to SEALs because of it. He wouldn't go back. He could have, but he didn't want to. So he went, he was going, well, he went, and then he was selected for Eric Crewman, who was actually AW, a rescue swimmer, and he uh, was selected for that, but he was not going to go back to Seals because of that. He didn't want to be any part of that, and he felt that he could not throw in the towel and join him. So that's why he didn't go back.
0: So then he moved from from San Diego to, to Norfolk? Was that the very next stop?
1: Yes. On the moment he checked in that new command, he had to do, there was issues, I'll word it that way, with the command, not branded.
0: Do, do you think that, you know, the Navy's big, the Navy's small? And do you think that somebody was whispering in someone's, someone's ear saying, hey, this guy's trouble, you know, look out for him when he got to Norfolk? I mean, that's conjecture, I get it, but.
1: Yes. It, um,. They were calling him a bud's dud immediately. Unbelievable. I never even heard that term, just so you know that. 22 years, 15 in recruiting, I never heard that term. Matter of fact, somebody didn't make it through the fields kind of looked up to them, not down. And yet his command called him a bud's dud. And um, all the time, right to his face. I mean, that was his name, <laughs> literally by them. And these people, they, they couldn't have. Gone sealed if they wanted to. The first thought they would never pass the test, yet, on the physical part, but unbelievable that they would do that. And Brandon came in that command until the day he died. What's unique about his story, and that's why his story is so important for everybody to know and understand because it saves lives, is he was the hardest, best worker in that command. This is not a story of someone that was a subpar performer by any means, not even close. This is somebody that was top-notch, did are me in shape. You could put him on a poster to sell things. He was so good. And he excelled at everything he did. I mean, he when they ran their physical fitness test twice a year, of course he came in first all the time. It was like a joke to him. He could do it so quickly. Um, he'd be laughing all the way Um But his command from day one was trouble. And the sad part is he happened to go into a very toxic, Mm -hmm. abusive command. And not all of them are that way, I'm gonna point that out to everybody, but there's a lot of them. And he was involved in that command. And the sad part is that that command, before Brandon got there, was one of the top commands on the waterfront at Norfolk. And then a bunch of good people left, the bad apples to go look. And then they were the worst. I mean, they had the most sexual harassment, sexual assaults, cruelty, and genie. They had the worst by far. And that's all red flags. And to include other suicides. And nothing was ever done. Nobody seemed to care. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, CEO was a disgrace. But um, but it all ended for Brandon when the CEO that was currently there left a couple of months before Brandon died. He liked. He would actually seek Brandon out because of his smile and love talking to him. And unfortunately, the executive officer was with him, too. And when I say that, that executive officer took over CO, and he's part of the problem with Brandon because the enlisted somehow convinced him that Brandon was, uh well, I guess the dirtbag or something. I, I don't know exactly what they said or did, but that CO obviously bought into it because he didn't do anything where the other commander he would have done something, intervened, and put a stop to all this. But more importantly, he would have got Brandon out of their crew, and Brandon was supposed to leave. He should have been gone in March of uh, 2018. He died in June, end of June.
0: And just to clarify for folks that might be listening, that it, you're saying CO, commanding officer, not SEAL. CO. Correct, correct. Correct. Commanding officer. Correct. And I, I just, well, we're coming up on another break, but I, one of the things that just baffles me, in all of this, because I've interacted with members of the military, uh, Terry and Patrick, for my whole adult life. I mean, 30 years from, you know, entry-level, you know, private first class on up to to three, four-star generals. And I've been regularly impressed with with the leadership and the compassion of, of these individuals. And so that's why this story just, I mean, probably like you, Patrick, it's, I don't want to say it's hard to believe because clearly you lived it, you experienced it, but it's very very um disconcerting. We're down the road now, but was anyone ever held responsible for any of this
1: no and we're we're still working on that that that's uh that's still being worked on that's not over yet by any means um or that's one of the things we as you'll hear, because I know what you're going to ask me through. And, um, that was one of the things we we're pursuing. It just we put it on the back burner to pursue the Brandon Act because the Brandon Act could save lives immediately. And we said, you know, we don't, we need to start saving these lives immediately. We can't wait and just focus on the justice track. So we glued, we put all our effort into the Brandon Act. And then second area, we did the seal re-rate process. That's the job you could kick if you don't make it through. Mm-hmm. We got that changed. Brandon wanted that changed. that was in his letter. And then we got the drug testing recently changed, as you you could see by other articles. So, and then that fourth piece of that, other than the Brandon passing, was the uh, um, justice for Brandon.
0: Well, I tell you, when we come back, let's talk about that because I think that's, you know, some good has come out of this tragic situation. Ladies and gentlemen, the Brandon Act was signed into law December 27, 2021, by President Biden. and It allows service members to seek help confidentially for any reason, at any time, in any environment. A good legacy um, for Brandon Caserta. This is your host, Ben Bula Garcia. We'll be back with more in just a second. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Buehler-Garcia. We're broadcasting to you from the Silencer Central Studios at Silencer Central. The experts make the buying process simple. They help you select the right suppressor, handle the paperwork, and deliver it right to your front door. Visit silencercentral.com to find out if buying and owning a silencer is legal in your state. At Silencer Central, it makes silence simple. We're talking with Terry and Patrick Caserta. They're the parents of Brandon Caserta. Brandon took his own life, June twenty fifth, 2018. Terry... My understanding is that Brandon had just come home for a visit not too long before this, and and nothing seemed out of place.
2: He came home the month prior for his birthday. His birthday is May 25, and he had just turned 21. So he he came home for a visit. The, The whole time, we knew that Brandon was being harassed. Bullied because, like I said before, we were constantly texting or in communication with him. He did keep telling us that he was all right. I mean, he was a little down for the first couple of days of his visit, and then within three days, he was back to being his old self. So he just needed a break, and that's that's basically what you know we kept telling ourselves but we all had a great visit he visited with you know a couple of his friends he just felt safe here at home and i think that's why he was able to uh put things aside and just be his normal self
0: and how how long did that visit last
2: he was home for 10 days okay and we did everything on his list that he wanted to do. He always we always had him make a list of what he wanted to do while he was home and we completed the list. So it it was a very good visit. He had a very good twenty first birthday. Um it was it was memorable, which was nice.
0: Um and that's the last time you all saw him? Yes. Okay. Patrick, I, I I keep coming back to this and maybe I watch too many detective shows on T V, but th- there was another issue involving a, a driver's license and to me it seems like a very petty thing, but it it also adds credence to the fact that I, I think your son was being was being targeted by the leadership there. That's the sore
1: subject what us first off the command hit Dak to this day. Unfortunately, it's only in a few articles because articles can only be so big. But what they did is they went to a DMV site during work hours on a government computer, seven of them, and they were looking for a driver's license. And they stole his wallet and paid for a copy of it. And there was no need to do that. Brandon already had one. And they were, um, they all committed crimes. I'm talking, if you put your mind to it, they committed 20 felons just right there. And the CEO in investigation makes a comment that he had this uh, person doing that, this chief, because there were four chiefs in there, validating Brandon had a driver's license. That was a lie. All this was designed because he was leaving for air crewmen, and they didn't want him to go because he was the hardest, best worker in command. And they were mad that he was leaving because it was different people in charge when Brandon got accepted and everything. And so these new people did not want him to leave in particular because he didn't have a qualification that's voluntary and not even required that he was working on. And he actually was ahead of the game getting it. But um, they have rules that they had put in place that are not legal, their own personal rules. You can't do anything until you get these qualifications, which is, um, you know, bogus. And they were trying to set an example of what Brandon is, what they were doing. And all of them committed crimes. And I, I mean, That, that is a a story beyond stories. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone with the senior enlisted advisor, the command, and he was arguing with me about this driver's license. And I, I had to shut him down because I was tired of hearing about it. And here's what I said. I told him, you don't need a driver's license to join the Navy. I said, you don't need a driver's license to be in Brandon's rating. You don't need a driver's license to be in the command. And I said, you are certainly not entitled. To his driver's license, get that through your head. He didn't know what to say. Well, and the the backstory
0: here for people that haven't read this is, in effect, they wanted him to be able to drive a, a duty van or or something like that. And and he basically said, "Look, I don't drive," which which he didn't. He he Ubered. He rode a bicycle. He you know he got around, but he he didn't drive much. But he actually had taken the test and received a driver's license issued by the Arizona DMV just because he wanted an ID. And then they pursued that and said, well, basically you, you lied to us because you said you didn't have a driver's license when he, in fact, said, no, I just don't drive. But and let's let's move forward. I want to talk about the the Brandon Act. And my understanding is, uh, Terry, that Brandon left some communication correspondence behind for you and some of his friends. And was what was contained in that note, was that your inspiration to pursue the idea of the Brandon Act?
2: Yes, very much so. Uh, if you read his final words to us, that's what we call it. And you read between the lines, you know, he wanted us to fix or help with service members getting mental health help. Uh, he asked for mental health quite a, quite a bit and he was denied and they should never be denied if they need help. Brandon kept telling them that he was depressed and needed help and they kept telling him to suck it up, get back to work. It, it was, it was a never ending thing with Brandon. We were told by several people that Brandon did have a target on his back. Uh, his direct supervisor put it there and we also had other service members tell us that they were glad that was put on Brandon instead of them because it took it off of them. So Brandon, looking at his letter, that's what came to us: is to do something to allow service members to get help without retaliation and without going through the chain of command.
0: Yeah, I, I got to say, I, even in his last moments, there it strikes me that he was still looking to help others out. You know what? Forecasted coming coming out of the tragedy, so it's not easy to get an act to pass through Congress, particularly not with COVID intervening. What what was the first step, Patrick, to move this forward? Now, my understanding is you co-authored the bill yourself. You actually wrote the language, or
1: yes, we wrote it together, and um, we yes, we wrote the bill and then we targeted. After I retired, I went to Arizona State University, I got a degree in political science, communication, I'm a minor in sociology, and so the political science side of me wanted to pursue this with Congress because they're above the military, so we targeted Congress, we bought a new car, we hopped in, we drove to D.C., paid for it all ourselves. Uh, Terry had set up a winter appointment appointments on Capitol Hill, and we went to them in regular clothes, regular shoes. I mean, we were running up and down steps. We knew this, and he wouldn't take elevators because it would take too long because everybody was in line to use it. But we made all the appointments, and we – Congressman Moan was our first appointment, ironically, and he followed Brandon's story immediately. He wanted to help and be involved in it. And he said, but you don't have to make a decision now because I know you're going to be here all week. And we're like, you know – we would not you involved and uh, uh we continued all week long there's conducting sponsors, I guess I'll say, on both sides, House and Senate. And after that we, we took it from there and then we turned into advocators and we every day we were probably talking to someone. We talked to literally all five hundred and thirty over the course of uh two years. And the first year it passed the House, the it didn't pass the Senate. Um, the second year it uh passed out again, of course, and then the senate was on the fence. And then Congressman Molen came in and arrested you and put him on the spot. And basically, told them word for word that your staffs are feeling you're feeling you need this.
0: After all that thought, I want to come back and talk more about that because I know there was a couple of elected officials who they themselves were veterans who also got involved in helping get this thing passed, ladies and gentlemen. There's your host Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking about the Brandon Act. Listen, you can learn more. Visit Brandon Caserta Foundation dot org. It's spelled C A S E R T A Foundation We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ben Bueller Garcia. We're talking with Terry and Patrick Caserta. Their son, Brandon, really, really tragic story, took his own life in 2018. A very strong, very joyful young man, but somehow just got into a very, very dark place. But there is some light coming from that, Uh, the passage of the Brandon Act, which was signed into law in 2021 by President Biden. Uh, Patrick, you were talking about, uh, you know, I, I, I can't help but I think at my age there's a there was this little thing they would show on TV that was kind of a jingle about how a bill becomes law, and it's kind of a cute little thing. And obviously it's not as simple as <laughs> uh, school children like Mouth rock. Yeah. Mouth rock. You're running around, literally got your tennies, and, and um, it, it it was not easy. Was it just because of timing? Was it – I mean, what – what? I can't imagine anyone. What would be the resistance
1: to a, a law like this? Well – that's what we thought, Just so you know that, okay. And we couldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe the stuff we saw. I'll, I'll leave it at that. And what people said. However, what kept us going was I'm, I'm used to 50 nos before a yes and recruiting. So I just wouldn't take no for an answer. We decided failure wasn't an option. Nothing was going to stop us. We're getting this past, and we're going to save lives. And use Brandon's story to do it. And he sure is a legacy to save lives forever and ours. And we wouldn't give up. I mean, um, and, and it went down that a little wire and we kept going, 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 and we got no help from anybody. Why would I say that? Very few people, don't me wrong, there are people involved in this that did help us, but I'm referring to everyone in their mind right now is thinking VSO, Veterans Service Organization. I'm here to tell you, everyone would turn their back on us. They wouldn't help us. We asked for no money either. I asked to be in their newsletter for press contacts. They couldn't even do that. So we did this on room. We put it over shoulders and we ran with it, but we wouldn't take no for an answer. We we wouldn't we were not gonna fail. We 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 had to prevail, so we continued with the press, we made some coup attacks, they did help us and we just kept trucking along and uh going, going, going and we just wouldn't stop. Yeah, I mean it was just a will and a desire to succeed. Now is, is Representative Moulton is he a veteran? Yes, yeah. Massachusetts, um, yes, he is, and he wrote about, he's talked about uh, in the public about his PTSD struggles and things, so he was ideal for this because he understood exactly what service members go through, and then Senator Kelly on the mm-hmm. Senate side, he he was military, he's retired military, he was in an asteroid, actually, too, pilot astronaut, and those two were the main ones. Um, there were others. The only one, we had many others. Twenty-something others were involved. Not that many veterans. The ones that you would think would help us didn't. And when I say that, I will say this because I don't want anybody to get a wrong idea. Staffs are comprised of younger people. A lot of them have never served. It, you have to get by the staff. And the staff does triage. And that is what part of the problem was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the staff triaging it out mm-hmm. instead of going to the rep themselves and asking them, "Would you like to be involved in this?" And um, so that was a uh, part of the problem. Yeah, you um, you got to get through the gatekeepers. He, correct, and it was tough because there was a um, a lot of younger people, and again, nothing against them; they were doing what they thought was right. It was the wrong, as far as we were concerned, but. Like I said, we, Senator King got involved. That was big for us because that was Virginia and Senator Warner too. both sponsored the Brandon Act. That was huge having unity in Virginia where Brandon had died. But there were many others, Miller Meeks, Serena Isabel, oh, Kumuswami Musco here locally. She just happened to be our rep. She got involved and she actually personally called at the time when Senator McSally was her senator. She called her personally on her cell and she, called us, and the first thing out of Senator um, McSally's mouth was that the kids on the staff sort out things that they should me sometimes. And she apologized, but she wasn't behind it yet. Unfortunately, she was voted out, and like I said, we got Senator Kelly to take over, which was awesome. But it, it was just an adventure. I mean, we could probably write a book on Capitol Hill, but it's not what you think. It ain't like TV, trust yeah. me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you were persistent and, and got this passed, but that was not the end of the battle. I mean, there's we all know that in politics, in government, in particular, there's a, a certain amount of inertia. How long was it from when the the bill was signed by President Biden to when some of the branches first started actually implementing this? It was it was a while. Yes, yeah,
1: twenty five May two thousand twenty three. Um, what had happened is we'd gone to D.C. in March of two thousand twenty three to Capitol Hill, going ballistic about why is this stuff not implemented? We need your help. You're the military. We CNN interviewed us and they followed us around Capitol Hill, in particular Congressman Congress office. And they followed us and got involved. Once they got involved, it started everything turning on the military. We finally got to a level that they had to pay attention, even though it was the law. And we pointed out their violation of the law, whether they like it or not, that is a fact. But that was the start of the attention. That got the military's attention, and then after that, we got a phone call from the Pentagon, and the person that was in charge of implementing it for all services called and asked us to be involved, and we said of course. And they they flew us out there, and May on May 25th uh, was the day they signed it, and. They um, had a ceremony and everything, and of course, press was there and everything, and they promoted it, and they actually sent a film crew here right before it went out there to do promotion videos on it. They gave each service 45 days to implement it, then they gave an extra 30-day extension. The Navy was the first, which I commend them, and they were smart, considering I was a retired Navy, and Brandon was Navy. Secretary Navy called us on the phone when he was signing it, which was and then the next was the Air Force, who did the same thing. They called us, talked to us, signed it. And then, um, we were all excited because we had three of the five servants, well, four of the five servants, actually. And then the Army is the last one and we kept trying to get a hold of them. And unfortunately, they were ignoring us. And, uh, we finally got their attention. We had to put out press release. We got their attention. And they started working with us and they implemented the same view they talked to us.
0: I I don't do math in public or calendars in public very well, but, but my engineer just pointed out May 25th, that was Brandon's birthday. So that was probably not a coincidence. No. Okay. <laughs> um. Let's say we've just got about three minutes left. And I really appreciate your time and sharing your story with our listeners. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Brandon Caserta Uh I encourage our listeners to visit there and some resources available. My understanding is there's just a scholarship that was funded at Arizona State University uh, in Brandon's name, so he continues to help others. Yes.
2: Yes, he, he, he does.
0: does. I want to just emphasize something because, really, this, I think this act was tremendously important. And, uh, again, I, I deal with this both in the military and in the law enforcement communities, even with good leadership. People that serve in those roles are very often are, you know, type A personalities. And it's hard. There's a certain amount of stigma, even with good leadership, about coming out and admitting that you've got a problem and you need some help. And I'm just hoping that this this act will not only from a administrative standpoint create structures and systems where they, our members feel comfortable doing that, but I hope it changes the mindset quite a bit also and gets more of these folks to, uh, to start doing this when they need it. Is that... Uh, it's just your your take, real quick, Terry, and then Patrick.
2: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we've gotten some calls from family members who said their their son and daughter invoked the Brandon Act, and that's why they're alive today.
1: Oh wow! And we had one that was unique. Is he uh, he was all pro Brandon Act. He was helping us, you know, the best he could. And his son was in the Navy, and ironically, recently, his son hadn't evoked the plan in it. It saved the kid's life, literally. Um, you know, never even in million years think that could happen, but it did. It's definitely changing the stigma in the military, and it it's working so far, and it's being backed. We had a few hiccups, but the the Secretary of Navy in particular took care of it immediately. He's not going to tolerate not only the law that he's ruined. And uh, so, go ahead. Well, so I say,
0: I just really, we're, uh, I really appreciate what you've done, and, and thanks to Brandon, uh, wherever you might be, brother, for for helping save other lives. I have no doubt that if this was in place, Brandon would still be with us. And again, folks can learn more visit the Brandon Caserta And and Terry and Patrick, thank you so much for what you the, the legacy that you've pushed forward on behalf of your son's name. And I would have no doubt it's helping others out there. And thank you for for sharing your thoughts with our listeners today.
2: Well, thank you for having us,
1: And it an honor and prayer to serve the public. We love you all and we'll, we'll do everything we can to help military veterans and anybody.
0: Thank you both so much. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find this podcast and over 500 others at AmericanWarriorRadio.com. Please share these important messages. And don't forget, if you're struggling, Dial 988 and press 1 or contact the Veterans Crisis Line.net. Until next time, our policies and procedures are remain in place. You've been listening to American Warrior Radio. Archived episodes may be found at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite
1: podcast platform.